Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Welcome in to I'm Not Charging, You're Charging. I'm your host, Tom Sims, co-host. Whoa, hold up a second. What did you just say? I, I'll let you care. I'm you not said, charging, you're charging. No, you said before off the air, you said, Jason, I have never counted us in. I want to count us in tonight and lead the program. I'm like, you know what, man? I'll be a good friend. I'll let you do that. And what's this crap you just said? I'm not charging. You're charging? Dude. We play on the hardwood tonight. Oh, my gosh. I mean, two losses and you're ready to mail it in. Let me guess. I bet you'd fire Saban right now if we could hire Lane Kiffin, wouldn't you? (laughs) Would you Mm. trade Saban for a basketball national championship at his age? That is an interesting question. No, because I don't care if the basketball team goes over because I'm a fog, as we all know. But it, it is – a lot of people probably would. And uh, at his age, well, is, I, I mean, think, is the key. Yeah, I think you've got to weigh how long he would be here still coaching versus, you know, that, that basketball title because, boy, you would be mad if he, he retired next year uh, or, or even after this season. Tom, if Saban, if Saban retiring this year after this year would solve world hunger, in my opinion, we would have hungry babies tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track here. You have tuned into the correct podcast. It is I'm not targeting your heart. Tar- <laughs> I can't even talk. It is I'm not targeting your targeting. I'm your half your host team, JT, along with Tom. Tom has a commentary. He's already screwed up once tonight, so I'm just going to turn it over to him. I, you know, he might just do this podcast on his own. What you got for us, Tom? You jet-setting son of a well, gun, you. <laughs> well, that's actually what I want to talk about a little bit. You know, last week when we did our podcast, last Monday, we were, of course, talking about the upcoming games, recapping last week, but I had no idea that uh, come Saturday night I would actually be in Baton Rouge. Uh, I got uh, I got an offer early last week or toward the middle of the week from uh, one of our uh, work partners. I won't I won't go out there and, and list their name. They may have a, a copyright infringement against me or something, <laughs> but uh, some great guys, Charlie, Matesh, Jerry, I appreciate the invite. Met some new guys, but I tell you what, the way that I did Saturday is the way that the other side uh, watches football. If the other, let me just put it this way: if the other side watches football this way, the every weekend it's impressive. <laughs> so these guys have their own corporate jet which is what we end up taking. They they told me we were leaving Birmingham at 12.30 on Saturday, and I drove up about 12.15 on Saturday and parked about 100 feet from the jet and got out, said hello to the guys that I didn't know, went through introductions, hey to the guys that I did, and we were on the plane and wheels up, you know, 15 minutes after I landed. And passed out whiskey during the fight. Uh, we had, they provided lunch <laughs> on the flight. And I, yeah, it's the first time I think I've been on a jet of that size. And I'm telling you, it was fast on the runway. I don't think it gets up to top speed as fast as your 
your international jumbo jets or your big 747s. But as far as takeoff speed, my God. I mean, that <laughs> thing was faster than some of your girlfriends in college, brother. Um, but, you know, we, we had about a 45-minute flight time is all it was to Baton Rouge. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm waking up having breakfast with Deb at 11 o'clock, and by uh, 1.15, I'm on the ground in Baton Rouge. And they had a uh, they had a van there on site waiting to to take us. There were I think there were fifteen of us on the flight, and so they taxied us over to the stadium, and we got there a little after two, I guess, with traffic and all, and and just tailgated, you know, beforehand. Now this was my first time in Baton Rouge. I've I've been to. Uh, many Alabama LSU games and several other of the stadiums, but for some reason I'd never gotten to Baton Rouge. So when I had this offer of a night game in Baton Rouge, which that's what everybody talks about, night game in Baton Rouge, you know, I didn't think I could pass it up. And, you know, I stepped out of the van onto the campus and we started you know, walking around through the tailgate area and stuff. And I've heard the stories from LSU and whatever. And I'm, I just, I want to tell you my personal experience. My personal experience, and I actually put a number on it because I give it a thought. I think there's a 90%, a 5%, and a 5% in Baton Rouge. All right? So 90% of the folks there are... You know, they're just in their own world. They're just like everybody else. They have their own tailgate crews. They're intense. They're watching TVs. They're drinking. They're having a good time. They're cooking out. They pay no attention to not only Alabama fans, but other LSU fans. I mean, they're mm. just, you know, they're on their own thing. They're having fun and begrudge them not. There are 5% of the people I run into that were very hospitable and you know, hey, hope you enjoy yourself, hope you uh, have a safe trip back, you know, after the game, you know, it was a good game, awesome game, good travels, you know, before mm -hmm. the game, good luck, you know, uh, you guys know where you're going, that sort of thing, people that went out of their way to be nice, and there's probably some very, I say probably, there are definitely some very nice people in that 90%, but some people are just not as outgoing as others, but that that's a, that's a stellar 5% that represents the university good. And then there's the 5% that everybody talks about because I definitely encountered them. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. It wasn't a, a borderline. And I'm not talking about people that when you when you go by, they start screaming, tiger bait, tiger bait. That's, that's rah-rah for your school. I don't consider that inappropriate at all. That's school spirit. Uh, yeah, our fans are going to scream roll tide, and Auburn fans are going to scream war eagle, and... And the A&M fans are going to, you know, dress in uh, overalls <laughs> and, and do skits around a bonfire at night. I mean, they each, everybody has their own, own deal, and I don't begrudge them that. But what I'm talking about is the, is the time she walked past the guy and their greeting to you is F you. I mean, just blatant, just look you square in the eye, and <laughs> that's the first and only words they say out of their mouth. I don't I don't know how I don't know how you could either a bring up a child where that is how they act or b have and when I say child because most of it most of that seemed to be glaring from uh, 99% of that was you know obvious college age students yeah and it was male and female alike I maybe 50-50 as far as that goes. I mean, the, the females were were just as vocal, and, and they didn't have anything original. It was, I, I can assure you, and this is no, no stretching of the truth or anything, because, and this is my only experience, uh, but I got, I got way more FUs than just hellos, just, hey, wow. how are you? Um... And when, when I say way more, I'm going to say throughout the course of the afternoon and, and into the evening, I probably heard that a dozen times, 15, 
<laughs> you know, I didn't count, didn't think to count when it first started. I just thought there was a an, an anomaly there. And, you know, we had, we had the 15 folks on the trip and we didn't all sit together. So once we, once we got into Baton Rouge and into the tailgate areas, uh, we kind of split off in two groups. And then when we got back together after the, after the game, I was talking to one of the guys who brought his son on the trip and, and he's like, yeah, I was asking my son if he got a lot of uh, tiger bait chance, you know, on him. Cause he was, he was there in a Bama jersey and that sort of, mm-hmm. he's like, no, but I got a lot of FUs. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the other group had the same experience I did. And, you know, and, and like I said, there were some, some really good people. And I will say this, and I'll give a shout out to this guy. Now, this is not, I don't put this guy in the FU category because that is not the way it went down. But we were standing there getting our bearings, trying to figure out what tailgate we go to. And this guy comes up to us and he says, first of all, FU and F-Bama. And he had a, a sort of a smirk on his face. And he says, second of all, this is my tailgate. Come in here, eat all you want, drink whatever you want. And that is, that, that, that's, that's, I'm not going to say appropriate, but that, that is funny, you know? It, it is, uh, it is. And after he said that, obvious, he, he, yeah. He, yeah, it was obviously he was joking, but after he told us come in, eat and drink, he says, but I do want to reiterate point one, F you and F uh, but yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, that's that that's good natured fun. Unlike some, I mean, you know, we we left the game and I had uh, I'm gonna guess a girl that might have been twenty twenty one. F you loser, or I mean, you know, that's the greeting and just <laughs> I just I couldn't believe it. Honestly, I just yeah. I, I, I've been to several other stadiums throughout the southeast and, and have never never experienced anything like that you know when we were in our seats i had a great great guy he was probably just out of college i would guess he was probably late 20s early 30s i'm guessing he was behind me and we were simpatico in the, that neither one of us liked the refs as far as how they were yeah. calling the game and i'm sure you'll hit on that uh but great guy you know uh, i'm i'm you know, he's talking about how Bryce Young is, is so good, and and I'm talking about how they're you know kicking our butts, and and you know we are fist bumping after the game. You know, I, and he was gracious. I was. I mean, that it was just a, it was a good time sitting there with him. And conversely, we, we had a, a a girl in front of us that if we weren't sugary nice it would have gotten really bad because she started in on the f you guys as soon as she sat down and of course we we didn't want a bad experience so we were kind of you know joking and joshing with her and before it was over she was uh she was not entirely uh you know overboard with her with her personality the uh towards us and that sort of thing but you know, all in all, it was a pretty good time. Yeah, we, we the game got over, and I want we'll go into the game and and I think it took longer to walk to the van from our seat, <laughs> get the van out of town and to the airport than it did to actually fly back and land. We we probably spent um we probably spent more time walking from the stadium to the van, the van driving back to the airport than I did flying to Birmingham and getting in my car and driving 35 miles back to uh, McCalla and was in bed by midnight. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we, um, well, like you said, well, I've been to LSU twice. I went in 94 and 96. And of course, 94, they were horrible. And I don't even, it wasn't a sellout. And it was about half full. And they finally scored a touchdown. And it got loud. Even with the half full, they got, those Cajuns got loud. Now, 96 is the year that Sean ran all over them, and they thought they had us beat. And they drive right down the field, and um, the quarterback hits LaFleur that played for the Cowboys forever, hits him in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And I had never heard a stadium get louder. And then I looked on the field, and there was a flag. And it was holding LSU, and they backed them up, and they I think they missed a field goal. And then they never – you know, we shut them out, I think 26 to nothing. So um, – that stadium was loud. How was it really, really loud? I guess. Yeah, it was. It was definitely loud. Um, 
and, and I hadn't been to, I haven't been to what I would consider a premier matchup game since, um, trying to think the last one I went to, maybe a playoff game? You know, yeah, I but tend those to, are 50-50, to, you know. Yeah, I tend to go to, uh, exactly, it's, 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 it's probably not as loud, you're right, it's probably not as loud because... Because of the, I think the matchup was as good. It just wasn't one sided against, and it's probably the loudest away stadium I've been to. Just, for, <coughs> just because there was so much to play for, so hyped up they were, and, and and obviously it's already a a deafening place with with a lot of people there. So so yeah, I mean I'm gonna give them credit where credit is due there for sure. Yeah, well I couldn't. Uh, I don't know if it's loud or not because I didn't watch the game with volume because. Uh, Flying down to Baton Rouge was not your only offer last week. It was just your best offer. You know, I, I invited Tom. I thought I was going to be big dog, and I called him Monday morning early. And I'm like, hey, man. I said, um, what do you think about coming to Mississippi State and watching Mississippi State and Auburn? My dad's got a box. It's an open-air box, but it's got a, two TVs in the box, one on one corner, one on the other. I said, look, man, Bama kicks at six. We can watch the entire Bama game. We can put a Clemson-Notre Dame on the other TV, and then we'll have Auburn and Mississippi State in front of us. And he's like, man, that, that's, a, that's a good offer. But so I lost out to the private jet, <laughs> kind of crushed on that. <clears throat> so I did not watch the game with volume, but I did watch the game. And, no, I mean, and maybe watching it is uh, with volume, you, you, you pay more attention to the refs. I mean, I know we had nine penalties and we did ourselves no favors. But, you know, it, it just it, – it's the tale – it is – we are who we are at this point. It's, we're nine games in, and on the road, we have penalties and we drop passes. I think I saw – and Bryce didn't look good at all, man. I mean, he had his moments, of course. I think he was 25 of 51, 26 of 51, which is not good. That's just right at 50%. But how many balls hit our receivers in both hands and we just dropped them? And I, they were tough catches. Sometimes they were contested catches. And sometimes they were, you know, diving attempts. But my point is this, is you're playing Division One football. Not only are you playing Division One football, you're at one of the top five schools in the country. I, I feel like you I feel like if the ball hits both if the ball hits both of your hands, you've got to make that catch. And we just we just didn't do enough of that. And like you said, you text me and I was in uh, I was in Davis Wade and you text, you're like, hey, I don't have any service. Uh, what's the Georgia score? Because I, I went in as soon as halftime hit for Georgia Tennessee, I sprinted to the stadium, and because uh, the stadium opens up two hours before kick, and it was like four twenty-five when the when Georgia hit halftime. So I hustled up to the stadium and got in and uh, and got to watch the entire second half uh, in the box, <clears throat> and I'm like, do what now? I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you said something. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, I, you know, I, I watched all of it and you text and asked, you know, what the score was. And I said, I don't remember if it was 27 to six or 27 to 13, but you know, the 27 to 13 did not tell the tale of that game. And, you know, they, they dominated Georgia, uh, absolutely dominated, you know, Tennessee forced a turnover in the first drive, got a field goal and they stayed on six forever. And they, they got that late touchdown, but the game was never in doubt. And, Man, I, I, I might have tweeted out I, I, or I'll text you one. I, I'm envious of the way Georgia plays football because Georgia plays football the way Bama used to play football. And what's the reason behind that? I, I don't know. You know, is it a head coach? We have a fantastic head coach. We've got the, the best head coach to ever coach the game. Georgia has a fine head coach who learned under our head coach. And is it – uh, assistants? Is it coordinators? I don't know, but I know, you know, Bill O'Brien, everybody's wanting to string him up, but I read a, it's either on Titer today or on Twitter. Four times, Bill O'Brien handed Pete Golding the lead and Pete Golding couldn't hold the lead. You know, we cannot get stops. And it's just so frustrating because our team has always been built on defense. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast, you know, you think of Florida, you th I think of offense. I think of Steve Spurrier, five wide. I think of uh, the the spread option with Tebow. And, you know, Oklahoma used to be defense. Now, Big 12, you think offense. But with Bama, you always think defense first. 
And I got to thinking, and I texted a buddy this, and he thought it was a good analogy. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, 14 straight weeks of having drainage. So I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. Did you ever watch Rocky Four? That was the one uh, with, when Drago killed. Um, oh when gosh, Drago, yeah. If Rocket, that's the best Rocky. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. You know, I, I said it was Rocky Three, but Rocky Three is actually with Clubber Lang, Mister T. Uh, this is where Drago kills. Um, why can I not think of the boxer's name? <laughs> it's not Rocky. Uh, it was Apollo Creed. <laughs> so Apollo Creed, Drago yeah. kills Apollo Creed, and Rocky's going to avenge his death. And they have agreed Drago will only fight him in Russia. So Rocky's like, hey, that's fine. I'll fly to Russia. So they get to Russia, and they both train. And Drago is in a is in indoor facility. He's taking the steroid shots. He is running with apparatus on his mouth. It's measuring his oxygen, measuring how the percentage of exertion he's going through. He's hitting a bag that's uh, kind of like what you see in a bar now, the, the punching bag. Uh, and, and you know it measures how hard his uh, how hard he's hitting. He's running indoors with the uh, on a the track. They've got all these you know electrodes, whatever hooked up to him, and it's it's very scientific the way he's training. And there's something to be said for science. But what's Rocky doing? Rocky is running in snow covered mountains. He is doing the power cleans with a, like an ox cart. He's hanging off in a dimly lit barn and he's doing sit ups. And to me, that personifies Georgia and Bama. You know, we got rid of Scott Cochran, or Scott Cochran left on his own volition. That's fine. But Scott Cochran was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I got tired of that. But you know what? He was a motivator. And we bring in Baloo, and we bring in Rhea, Rhea, however you pronounce it, R-H-E-A. And they're sports scientists. They have that scientific background and, you know, they can tell us, hey, man, you know, so-and-so. Well, I, I remember when um, when Gibbs broke long on the uh, on Arkansas, they're like, he reached a top speed. They had something, you know, on his body, I guess, and which is legal to do. And they're like, hey, we, you know, pulled his numbers. He ran 22.6 miles per hour. That was faster than anybody in the NFL last week. That's all well and good. But I think sometimes you got to be rocky. Sometimes you got to run up the snow-covered mountain. Sometimes you got to do the sit-ups in the dimly lit barn. And that's where Georgia's at. Georgia's the bully now. They they are the standard of college football right now. And it, it just it sickens me. And I think that's why the losses are so hard. Because if it was Texas, <clears throat> you know what, three states over. If it was USC dominating, even Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon. If it was one of those schools that was dominating and looked like they're going to win the national title, I think we could stomach it better. But it's not. It's our next door neighbor. It is the... They, you know, they stole, they stole from us. They took from us what we had last year. You know, we beat them in Atlanta, and then they beat us in the national title game. And it's like now that glass ceiling has been broken, and they're not looking back. Man, they look fantastic. I mean, I don't, you know, we'll talk about where we've got teams ranked coming up, like as we always do. But no surprise, I've got Georgia at one. They look very good. And but let's talk about the game a little bit more. And feel free to break in. Uh, you know, like back to Bryce, how many balls did he, like I said, I think our receivers, I heard on the sports talk today that we missed seven balls, and that's just, uh, you know, you're going to miss some, but seven is way too many. It's about six too many in my opinion. But how many did he bounce 15, 10, 15 feet in front of the receiver, you know? Now, some of them maybe he saw, hey, I've got coverage, I, I, I'm in the tackle box, so I can't just ground it. Let me get it close to him, and but make sure that this not doesn't have a chance to be intercepted. And maybe that was the case, but I mean, some of them were just bad. He he did not look good, crisp other night. And speaking of interceptions, dude, we have played LSU four times. We play them every year. The last four years, twice we have turned the ball over going into the end zone. Tua in nineteen, and then Bryce this year, and that's just killer. Like if we kick a field goal there. You know, I, I know it's, it's like butterfly butterfly flapping its wings, you know. It, it changes the course of history. But if you just look at raw numbers, if we kick a field goal on that first drive, we win because we never make it to overtime. So, it, it's just we, we're, well, we're me, so frustrating on the road. Go ahead. Yeah, let me let me chime in a little bit there. You, you, you said a lot 
in that. And I want to circle back around to your Georgia standard comment because I have some input on that. But let me let me mention this before I forget about it because you talked about two things really uh, with Bryson throwing and the drops and that sort of thing. I I have notoriously bad vision. Um, and I had a little bit of a hard time following the intricacies of where the ball was, whether it was a clean catch or whether it was the defender got a hand in there. You know, you can't really tell that from up in the up in the stands uh, very well, or at least I can't with my vision. Uh, but I will say this: this is the first game I've been to this year, and we have speculated on this, or I have at least speculated on this previously on this on this podcast about our receivers and whether or not they are getting separation. And we're speculating that they are not based on uh, us not, or, you know, Bryce not having somebody that's his go-to guy and getting open all the time. And I can attest to it. They were not open Saturday. They could not get open. They, they didn't. The only thing that was, that was open uh, for any stretch of uh, irregularity was when Gibbs come out of the backfield, that underneath cross, and same thing that I think McClellan run that too. That was open. Otherwise, um, the play had to develop a pretty good uh, time before somebody might shake free, and that was a long touchdown pass. That was unbelievably amazing. Um, so I wanted to make that point, but I'll tell you one other point, just, just a little bit off subject of the game, but on point for what I saw in Baton Rouge. We talked about this the other day, and you you were saying something about it, I think, when you went to the A&M game or whatnot, and and not being able to see instant replay as much as you would like and try try to see that. Well, I'll tell you what. The hometown Tiger Stadium is a instant replay homer for sure. If it looked like Alabama was holding... Boy, they would put that up there on the screen and slow it down and try to freeze frame it for the rest to see. You know, when they uh, when they were doing the review of whether the ball was tipped in the end zone on that yeah. pass interference call, oh, my gosh. They had it frozen on all the big screens with the ball right there on the fingertip. Just, I mean, they were, they were influencing or, or doing their best to influence or, or show – uh, LSU, you know, in the best light, and, and of course they wouldn't. If Alabama had a good play or whatever, they wouldn't. They wouldn't show that. It wouldn't come. But if LSU has something going on, they certainly put it up there. And, and they had no quarrels about trying to, you know, uh, when the, when the guy touched the ball out of bounds, uh, you know, they showed that just in mass, just one right after another mm-hmm. with the fumble coming out. You know, they didn't know what they were looking at. They had no idea what the referees were discussing. I told the guy I was with Charlie, I said, I think what they're looking at is whether I got touched it because he's, he's out of bounds when he does. And, yeah, and sure yeah. enough, that's what ended up being the call. But but they, they, were, they, they were certainly not shy about how they were using their instant replay on the big boards. You know, our, our guys tend to be a little more – I guess politically correct on some of that, I think. But nonetheless, um, I want to I want to come right out of the gate on Saturday's game and make two apologies. Okay, one, I'm going to apologize to the LSU football team. I have said on this podcast several times leading up into this game that I thought them and Auburn were two of the worst teams in the SEC West, and LSU showed me nothing earlier particularly losing to florida state but they've gotten better i mean yeah i made the point last week that they had to come from behind for every sec win they did and technically saturday they did the same thing we had to lead on them Mm -hmm. twice in the second half and they won the game but uh, you know i mean how many how many wins do they have to get before i'll put them out of the cellar i guess today's the day so uh, officially (laughs) they're no longer in the cellar on this podcast second apology i'm gonna make will record you know, I, I lambasted him uh, a couple weeks ago for his misses, and I even was in the stands talking talking to Charlie again, going, "Hey, you know, um, I got no confidence uh, in, in Reichard here in the second half when these field goals are important." I said, "We need to do all we can to get it in the end zone." 
and uh, and and he came through. He came through clutch, particularly the the last one in regulation. I mean, it doesn't get a more high pressure environment than that crowd in that position at night with the game on the line. Uh, kudos to him. So you know, I, I'll I'll take back. I'll I'll walk those comments back, and I'll get on Twitter later and see if I can delete all my old comments. Yeah. No, I, I was like you, and I think that was one of the drops is we had seven down the sideline. It would have probably been out of bounds around the 9, 10, 11-yard line, and with, I think, nine seconds left, it would have given us – it's right before the field goal. It would have given us a legit shot in the end zone. And, he, you know, he missed it. He got both hands on it. There was there was a defense there, but that's, that's a catch that, you know, I think we got to make. And so we were talking today at work, and – all right, so our, our receivers, I'm not sure exactly who our three starters are because, like, Treshawn Holden, did he even dress this week? I never saw him on the field. I never – he didn't make a catch, in my, in my, to my knowledge. But Treshawn Holden, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, and then Burton and JoJo Earl. Do, are you in agreement that, the, that three of those are probably – three of those four are probably the first three on the field? Yes. Okay. So – I went back through Nick Saban's 15 previous years besides this year, and I wanted to see what was our weakest wide receiver years. And so immediately with when, you know, Saban got here in 07, well, 08 Julio came. And I don't care who else we had out there with Julio. When Julio Jones was here from nine, 8, 9, and 10, that's not th- – those are not weak class. Those are not weak wide receiver rooms, I promise you, Okay. And then Amari Cooper got here in 2012. So 12, 13, 14, those are not weak either. And then you had Ridley coming in 15. So anytime Ridley's on the field uh, in the wide receiver room, that's not weak. And, of course, we've always talked about Smith, Judy Ruggs, Waddle, Mechie. So I found two years to where I think that were our weakest wide receiver groups under Nick Saban. So the first one was 2007. So I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to give you three names, and I want to see if you would trade them. In the, if we could trade these kids with the kids we have right now, if we could have the three kids I'm about to name, and they're 19, 20, 21 years old, would you make a straight-up trade? So we have Holden, Brooks, Burton, and Earl right now. 2007, we had DJ Hall, we had Matt Cadell, we had Keith Brown. Forget about attitude because DJ Hall, I've, I've never liked him based on him getting punked out at Auburn in 07, but he was a heck of a talent, and he torched Tennessee every year he played them, even if we didn't win. But would you trade this year's wide receiver core for DJ Hall, Matt Cadell, and uh, Keith Brown? Uh, absolutely. Okay. The ne- I only found one more to where I would put it, like I said, if you have Julio in the room, you're not weak. If you have Amari Cooper in the room, you're not weak. And then, then you then you immediately get into Calvin Ridley, Smith, Judy Ruggs, Waddle, Mechie. So we're not even going to talk about those years. But in two, So Julio leaves after the 2010 year. So 2011, okay, Amari came in 2012. 2011, we didn't have the quote-unquote stud wide receiver. But here's who we had in 2011. Would you trade this trio for what we have right now? Norwood, Marquise Mays, and Darius Hanks. Oh, my God. Yes, Mays is worth it in itself, and Norwood was clutch. Yeah. Uh, Hanks Hanks was a – Hanks looked like T.O. He never panned out like T.O., but, yes, uh, agreed. But, okay, but that's – so I'm glad that you agree with me, and, you know, if you didn't agree with me, that's fine because – it's not that these receivers are not talented. The the four that I mentioned that we have right now, Holden, Brooks, Burton, and Earl, they are legit D1 talents, but they are not putting it together on the field. And the fact that I took what I consider, and I think most would consider the weakest two classes of Nick Saban's Alabama wide receivers, and you would immediately trade this year for the 2007 or 2011 wide receivers, that tells you where we're at at the, at the wide receiver position. We just don't have it. And that's why we're so easy to defend, in my opinion. And we'll talk about this when we get into the LSU or the Ole Miss game, which we will shortly. But if I'm playing defense against Alabama, we don't have a bruising running back. Our offensive line is suspect. I'm going to play bump and run coverage 
We've not hit one deep ball all year outside of that just busted coverage of the night because Bryce should have been sacked and he just was a magician and got out of it. So all they've got to do is defend our receivers who are subpar route runners apparently. Three, 2.5, 3.5 seconds and the play's going to fall apart and Bryce will not run. And I don't know why. Like he ran in overtime and it was the difference in us getting a touchdown because he moved the chains. Like he's got to run. And if he's hurt, you know, I, I saw that somebody said he didn't practice last week or he was on a pitch count, like 20 throws of practice. Okay, if he's hurt, we're out of the playoffs now. If he's hurt, sit him. Okay, play Milrow. That's fine. But if he plays, we've got to have him. Like, you got to say, Bryce, if you're going to play, then we've got to have you play. And they know he doesn't want to run. But if he would take off running – Three or four times a game, it would make all the difference in the world, and maybe it would give our wide receivers a chance to, to get open. But Ezel texts me at the end, or I don't know if it's at the end of the game. It was very late in the game, and he said six of nine. I I found it four with a question mark, and here's what I'm talking about. Uh, four teams have scored in the fourth quarter on their last possession, Okay. So Texas took the lead the last time they had the ball. We kicked a last-second field goal to beat them. Tennessee took the lead and won on their last possession. Mississippi State they scored on they scored with one second left on the clock. You know, when no time remaining when they got the when they blew the whistle. Granted, that was so what we beat them thirty to ten or whatever. But the bottom line is we didn't we couldn't stand strong and keep them out of the end zone. And then A and M or LSU took the lead and then of course scored in overtime. The one that has a question mark, A&M took the lead in the fourth quarter. We get the ball back. No, that, I'm sorry, they didn't take the lead. They got within striking distance of us in the fourth quarter. We get the ball back. We can't run the clock out, and then they, they get the ball, and we stop them on the goal line. So, technically, they didn't score on the last on their last offensive drive, but they did on their next-to-last offensive drive and then drove to our – they ran out of time, dude. If there's 30 seconds left, we're beat in that game, you know, 100%. So uh, but, you know, we just our defense I, is just not where we're used to it. No, they're getting out physical, and I agree with you a hundred percent because I made that same uh, that same comment in the game Saturday, which is the which is the reason I thought for sure that Brian Kelly might have got run out of lsu on a rail if that two-point conversion was not successful i have no earthly idea what he was thinking they were pushing us around particularly like you said defensively every possession in the second half when we took the lead they immediately scored on the next drive Mm -hmm. you know i always thought hey all right we've got a lead let's make a stop here and let's see if we can get it to two scores we had that opportunity twice, and it wasn't that they punted and then we got it and couldn't take advantage of it. No, they drove down and scored every time. Every time we mm-hmm. took the lead, they went down and scored. And the the receivers were not open all night. And I'll tell you what, Bryce was under duress a lot. They got penetration. They pushed our line up the field, and they, they pretty much brought four or five guys every time. And, you know, they, they felt really comfortable that their their DBs could match up one-on-one with our receivers, and they could. And the only thing we kept having to fall back on is sending our running back across the middle to try to match up with the linebacker because that was the only one-on-one matchup we could win. And, and we did. You know, it kept us in the game. And, you know, it was very frustrating to watch our defense not be able to get a stop. Just, just plain out, not be able to get a stop. And I'll tell you this, and and I'm not blaming the refs here. I'm blaming this on the number of penalties we get. That is the second game in a row that we've lost that uh, was decided on a pass interference penalty. You know, if if LSU doesn't get their pass interference there with what. Uh, Two or, two or three minutes to go on mm-hmm. third and eight or whatever it is, then it might have been four minutes ago. They may have punted there, uh, yeah. you know, because yeah. I think they were back on their own 35 or 40 when they got that interference in third and long, if I'm not mistaken. So they would have punted there, and we make a couple of first downs. It's over even if we make none. 
now they got hardly any time left when they get the ball back. So, you know, that, there's a lot, a lot to point to in this game. But I want to, I want to, I want to present something to you real quick. You know, you mentioned a while ago. I know everybody's frustrated with the loss, but you mentioned a while ago about Georgia being the new standard. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not not gonna make that claim yet. You know, we're we're. We're still the standard until people quit rushing the field on us with a win. We're still the it's gonna standard. It's going to happen this okay? week. Ole Miss Happened will not rush again. the field. <laughs> Ole Miss will definitely rush the field if they win this week. Um, but but let me let me pull something out that I hadn't heard anywhere that I was just I was just thinking about this today, and I think this is a very very interesting stat. Okay, because. And I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in a way because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, pessimism about our program, but the reality is right now yes we're out of the championship hunt this year for all intents and purposes uh, we we have a minuscule chance but it's it's completely out of our hands so it's it's a very very nominal chance and and nobody's holding their breath over it, but to say this. We've lost two games on the road, last play of the game, to top 10 teams. All right, let that sink in a second. And so I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know, that's a, that's a hell of a thing to have to, 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 to face, regardless of whether you win or lose. But we, we, lost, we lost them both, last play of the game on both of them, both to top 10 teams, both well within our grasp to win the game. You know, so so I went back and started looking. Who who in the last several years do you do you feel like is the standard? If I said name me three teams in the college football landscape who are who are the standard outside of Alabama, who would you list? How many years? So the last five years. Last five years. Two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia. There you go. That's the three I got down here. All right. So I went back to Ohio State. And started looking at their schedule. I said, okay, so let's let's see who Ohio State, and what I wanted to see is I wanted to see how many teams, how many top 25 teams, and how many top 10 teams did Ohio State have to play on the road, okay? It's a big deal playing on the road. Yeah, for sure. But, and, and if a team's good, you know, and it's it's a bigger deal later in the season when you've established that that team really is good than it is maybe a, a you know a preseason ranking that falls apart. But I, I didn't go that deep into it. Yeah. So this year, Ohio State has played only one team on the road that was a top twenty-five ranked opponent. That was Penn State, who was number thirteen. If you remember that, Ohio State tra- trailed them late, and yeah. then you know got two or three late touchdowns in the last four minutes to win that game. Uh, 21, they had one team on the road, top five Michigan, they got blown out. They have won their other four teams, so they've only played six since 2017. Six. They've only had two top ten uh, times they played a, a team that was in the top ten, they're one and one in those games. They got blown out by Michigan, and they beat Penn State by one in 2018, 27-26. Okay, so that's interesting. So then I did Georgia, same way. This year they have zero, don't have any on their schedules. They they're they're not going to go on the road against the top 25 team this year. Last year they faced one. Number eighteen team, barely in there that they won that. And you go back through the through seventeen, they have done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've played nine teams. Ohio State had six. Georgia's played nine. Uh, Georgia has lost three of those, and of the top ten, they are one and two in top ten matchups. So they have a losing mm-hmm. record when they go on the road versus a top ten team. <clears throat> one and two. Clemson. They have only played uh, six since 2017. Three of those came in 2017. And Clemson's a little bit of an outlier because if they play a, a ranked team on the road, it's a ranked Boston College 
yeah. <laughs> or or or, or rank North Carolina. Uh, so, but uh, they've had one this year. They won it in overtime versus Wake Forest, if you remember. Mm-hmm. The last uh, three years prior to this, they were zero and two. They had only played th- two times in the last three years, and they lost. They lost two of them. So uh, they're they are two and two since 2018 on the road top 25. I didn't break out their top tens because they didn't have many. No, All right, I so let's let's any. roll. Yeah, let's roll to Alabama. Alabama's played four this year alone, <laughs> and they have a number eleven team they're going on the road to tomorrow. Five. They will play five games on the road versus top 25 competition. Two of those are currently in the top seven in the country. Mm-hmm. Five. Ohio State played six in five years. We played five this year. Yeah. That's now, that isn't a not, it's an anomaly a little bit, even for us. Because if you if you take this year out of the equation, we're we're fairly similar to them. We played two and twenty one. We avoided one and twenty. Uh, we played two and nineteen, one and eighteen, and two and seventeen. That's usually the norm. Two, maybe three at most. Clemson was the only one with three. That was the highest one in one year. Now Georgia had played three and eighteen, uh, but. I guess the point being is it's very rare to play so many top 25 teams on the road in one season. Five is nobody had four. We're going to have five this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great stat, man. It really is. And, and so when you do play those teams on the road, particularly top, top 10 teams, none of these teams on this list, I just, listed Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, which we both agree are the standard in the last five years, none of them have a winning record on the road, which stands to reason. None of them have a winning – now, let me caveat that – on the road in the top ten. If they're on the road playing against the top ten team, they they do not have a winning record. Ohio State's one and one. Georgia's one and two. Clemson is uh, one and – well, I, did, I, I forgot. They had a lose. I forget exactly the count they had on top ten. May, they may not have had any. They, uh, uh, Notre Dame, uh, 2020, would have been – they would have been ranked top ten. Yeah, that that's correct. I yeah. got them 0-1 in 20. That was the only ranked yeah, team they had. They were, that was 0-1. <clears throat> uh, so, so, you know, and us coming into this year, our record – and, again, I got toward the end and I was getting late for the podcast, so I, I didn't do all our top tens. But we, we probably have a much greater chance of playing top ten teams just by virtue of being in the West and the SEC over the past five years. But we yeah. have a uh, four. We had a let's see. We had a two, three, four. We had a four and three record coming into this year uh, against top twenty-five opponents on the road. So mm-hmm. I guess the point that I'm making is people can jump up and down about two last-second losses on the road to two top seven teams in the country in the most hostile environments you can imagine. And you had to lose both of them on the last play of the game. Both of them costly penalties. Stick ourselves in the foot. Yeah, our our season is not ended the way that we want it to. But to to think that we're just super down based on this two game sample size, I I, I think there's a lot to be learned from what I w- just went over. Well, I, I feel bad for what I'm about to say about the, the Ole Miss game. We're 48 minutes deep in the podcast. I guess we need to get to Bama Ole Miss, don't you? <laughs> we <laughs> might, hey, we might was, want to consider it. That was great information. I mean, I'm, all jokes aside, like that's that's why you like you always do. You're so good at stats, and I love it, because I wish we could somehow tweet that out, you know, for our Twitter followers, because that's, that's good information to have. So if we win – against Ole Miss, we're going to finish with a winning record on the road against top 25 competition this year. Yep. Yeah, so that's yep. good. That's right. Well, unfortunately, Tom, we're not going to win this week, and I, I'm going to have to stick by what I said last week. This time last week I said we're about to find out what we're made of. We're either going to go 2-0 and or 0-2. and I said I don't think we'll split, and I'm going to stick by that. I, Ole Miss, LSU's better than Ole Miss. Obviously, they, they beat them pretty handily uh, two weeks ago, Halloween weekend. But Ole Miss is coming off a bye week, and 
Lane is going to, you know, he's got the script. He's going to get points off the script. And this is the way I think it's going to be. If Lane gets 14 points off the script, we're in trouble. If he gets 10, it's iffy. If he gets seven or less, I think we're good. But I just don't see what, like I said earlier, we are who we are at this point in the year. What makes anybody, what makes any Bama fan think that we're going to go to Oxford and not have at least eight to 10 penalties? What makes a Bama fan think that we're not going to have drops? What makes a Bama fan think that we're going to get the running game going? What makes a Bama fan think that we're magically going to have a wide receiver uh, step up, be the guy, go for eight catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns? I just don't see it happening. And I see, I don't see this game. And that's the reason I say Ole Miss is not going to rush the field. It's not going to be close. It's not going to be last second. I've got them 45, us 24. That's the way I feel, I feel it's going to play out. Oh, my God. Out. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I feel it's going to play out. I, sh- I should have talked to you about that breakdown before you stuck to your guns in this podcast. They te- they say that you can never change a man's mind when he's made it up, and you, you definitely come here with a made-up mind. <laughs> uh, I, you, you know, you either if if you think they're going to beat, beat Bama by that much, then you, you must you, – you have to be in – uh, one of the vote, boats, and I know you're not in this boat because you've had Tennessee in your top four for the last two weeks in a row. You have to you have to assume that Tennessee and LSU are severely overrated to think that Bama's going to walk into Ole Miss and get hammered. I mean, and and that is not the case. Uh, Tennessee and uh, LSU either are very good, or Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama are all very poor. And that's not the case. I mean, ten, Alabama is, like I said, a frog's hair aware of, of beating both of those teams in their own house. And if you believe the rankings, those are top seven teams in the country. And I saw freaking, uh, oh, what's his name on Twitter? I, Brando. Oh, Alabama never drops when they lose. What? I just made the point that you either like Tennessee and LSU or you don't. But if you think they're so good, then... On a neutral field, Bama's a better team than them, you know, and we're and we're a better team than those teams with all, because like you said, you are who you are. We're gonna make ten penalties and we're gonna drop ten balls and we're gonna give up chunk plays from a quarterback and we're gonna do all those things. Yet at the end of the day, we're still a a slightly missed field goal from winning or stopping a crazy two-point conversion from getting out of there with a win of the last second. So, uh, you know, there's not this wide gap that you're thinking. I like us big this weekend. Big. I like this big, last, big weekend. last weekend. I did, and I'm going <laughs> to admit that because I thought LSU was a poor team. But, heck, I'm due now. I'm due. I'm due. But I do yeah. like us big. I think oh, the uh, – uh, the percentage of, of, of wagers on Ole Miss right now is very high, yet the money is on Bama, and uh, the the line is reflecting that. So I like Bama big this week. I like them to bounce back. The only thing that stops Bama from winning this game running away this week is if we start having some some defectors, uh, you know, some, some Bryce Youngs going ahead and sitting it out uh, for the NFL, some Will Andersons, uh, some 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 players like that, and that's a domino effect. You get one, you end up getting half a dozen. But mm. uh, but barring that, I think we'll. I think Ole Miss. Let's just put it this way: Ole Miss is a tier below Tennessee, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, uh, and. Obviously, they're a tier below LSU, and I, you know, you can't tell me we're at the very least on the same tier as Tennessee and LSU. So that's my reasoning. Bama big this weekend. <laughs> uh, look, back to I, I want kind of wanted to say this on you know you talked about LSU's two point try a couple of times and how what was Kelly thinking? I, I thought it was a good call from a standpoint. Well, of course, it worked. It's a good call, but. That is what Saban is facing right now in the SEC. You know, forever he was heading head and shoulders the best coach in the league, and he's still the best coach in the league. But Les Miles, Ed O'Geron, Brian Kelly, who's the better coach? Uh, I think Come Kelly on, by far has the, by the far. better track record. Yeah, and that's the thing. If 
other night, if Les Miles or Ed Ogeron ties that game up in the first overtime, they're kicking the extra point and going to OT two. And Kelly struck while the iron is hot, and it paid off. But like you said, if he misses that, you know, if we tackle him outside the end zone, if the pass falls incomplete, whatever, you know, we win, and he would have been second-guessed to death. But I I like going for the win there. You know, you probably have a two-point play. Speaking of, why did we go for two when we got up by four? Why didn't we just kick extra point and go up by five? Apparently, you didn't see Saban's – interview where he says we have a chart for that (laughs) okay well hey you know what if that's a legitimate that's fine well he needs to get a new chart because what that would have done if we had made it by if we'd gone up by five lsu scores go up by two or go up by one they would have gone for two and if that's great because what you do is you make them use a two-point conversion play they're going to use their best play and so the, we would have taken that play from them like, like we took the play from Tennessee. You know, Tennessee had to go for two after they missed their extra point that time. And they had to use their go-to two-point play. And I felt very confident if we could get Tennessee to overtime, we'd win because they'd already used their bread and butter two-point play. It didn't come to fruition. But anyway, we're over time here. We'll gloss through the bets. There's nothing to write home about. I went 0 for 2. I had Tennessee. I had Mississippi State. Both of them didn't come close to covering. Tennessee did backdoor tease for me. Thank you very much. I've got you at one and two. Is that what you had? Yep, that's right. Washington with the Washington and Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 that's right. All right, but let's so let's Vegas, let's go ahead and get into this week then, huh? Ve- yeah, Vegas has decided to give away money this week. I don't know why, but they have. But I'm gonna let you choose game one. Game one is a game I've been waiting on all year, brother. And this line's way out of whack because I would have went under if this line was in the 20s. I got Wisconsin-Iowa game under. There may not be a touchdown scored in this game if they played 12 quarters. The over-under is 36, which is low as you'll ever see in college football. This one would have went under if it was 29. All right, under Wisconsin-Iowa. This is the giveaway money. I've got LSU minus three. They're at Arkansas. Arkansas is coming off a loss to Liberty. LSU covers a three. If you want to be dead sure, because they are going to have a little bit of Bama hangover, take the money line. You'll have to give up probably 170, 180. But LSU minus three or money line, whichever one you choose. Um, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll lay the points. LSU minus three, free money. Take it. You're breaking, breaking a lot of Alabama hearts with that pick. Um, I'll take – Texas, who we just mentioned earlier as being one of our uh, road wins, they are a full touchdown favorite over number six TCU. So uh, give give me the Longhorns here. I, I like them. I think I think TCU's been scraping by by the edge of their uh, seats for several weeks now, including last week. So I'll I'll take the Longhorns. Well, I've got two teams listed. I'm, just so I don't piss off and lose listeners, I'll, I'll mark out one team that I was going to take. I'll take Auburn. Uh, they are minus one or plus one against A&M. A&M is horrible. Like, I don't know how Jimbo makes it out of this year, especially if Auburn beats them. And Auburn's going to beat them. They got them on the planes. They're all in on Cadillac. Tom, I don't know how they don't take the interim tag off Cadillac. you agree with me? Oh, they, they I mean, you got to give right Cadillac a chance. I've already, he, I mean, I've already true, emailed him. He's a true Auburn man. You've got to give them a chance. So, Wisconsin-Iowa <laughs> under, Texas minus seven, LSU minus three, Auburn will say minus one, and we'll wrap it up right there. Four-game parlay. Go ahead. Tell your bookie to go ahead and give you an advance on your money because you're going to hit that. All right, so we're this is the longest we've ever gone. So, quickly, the CFP. Um, who do you have at number one? Georgia. Same. Ohio State struggled with Northwestern last week. Yep. I agree. Uh, who do you have at number two? I did keep Ohio State at number two, but just barely. I've got Michigan at two, and I've, I've dropped Ohio State to three. Who do you have at three? I have Michigan at three. So we're just flip-flop there. Um, number four. Who, this is an interesting one. Who do you have at four? I have Tennessee at four. Okay. Not a not a terrible pick. Um I've actually got them at six. Number four, I've got Oregon. And I know Oregon got smashed by Georgia at a neutral site, and Tennessee lost to Georgia on a neutral field. But, man, Bo Nix is going to be Heisman Trophy winner. You know what? Have you realized that? You know what he did Saturday, don't you? 
Yeah, I've heard about that. But he threw two, uh, he ran two, and he caught one. <laughs> yeah, well, Tennessee did not lose to Georgia on a neutral field. They were in they were in Athens for that one. So yeah, Tennessee's got a better loss than Oregon, which is why I have them there. But I do have Oregon right behind them in the fifth spot. And five, and I so I have I have TCU at five and Tennessee at six. So who's your number sixteen? Yeah, I have TCU at six by default. I think they tumbled. I can't keep a, a Power 5 conference undefeated out of that top six with so many carnage ahead of them. But I did I did keep two one-loss teams ahead of them, so I thought I was doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, we have the same six, uh, which we have not had in the past. They're just in different order, so that's, that's good. But uh, we'll put out, we'll tweet out the picks, we'll tweet out the uh, the CFP, and of course we'll see what the CFP says tomorrow. I don't, I don't know how you don't put Georgia at one. And Michigan's look really good. That's going to be a heck of a game, Michigan-Ohio State. I hope both of them stand defeated, so we'll see what that's all about. But um, a good podcast, man. I love the stats you did. And Tom, as always, in closing, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll time. Take it easy, guys.